Welcome one, welcome all to the Simple Politics Podcast. I'm your host and political snowflake, Kobe Monarca, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts and political avalanches, Tatten and Diane. How are you guys doing today? Hi, Kobe. Well, I'm cold and windy. <laughs> not necessarily windy, not necessarily windy. I'm, I should say I'm with, this is topical for me in the north, uh, in the northwest near Manchester, it's, 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 it's snowing here, but everywhere else, well, where Tatten and Diane are, seems to be perfect weather. That's why I pulled on the snowflake thread. But how are you guys doing? No, we're really good. I'm in, I'm Devon. No snow. Cornwall had snow though, further south than us. So I'm feeling I'm feeling a bit cheated to be. Honest. I'd love a snow day. Yeah, it's been it's been such a busy week. We've just had. I mean, we're going to touch on a lot of it uh, through the podcast. But there's just a lot of politics happening at the moment, and a lot of it's quite complicated. And so do we do, I feel like we're really doing our job. We're really kind of trying to step up and explain what's going on. Just keeping track of all the ins and outs and the strikes and the devolution. I mean, every part of politics. I said last week how everything's up in the air. And then this week, it's just really shown that to be the case. Nothing is certain. Everything. I mean, when you've got, I don't know if we're gonna, if this is going to come up. Well, when you've got a case of a police officer doing all of those horrific things. And I mean, I, I call me naive, but I still have some faith in the police. We have a we, we have a system of policing by consent in this country. And I still have some faith. And then you hear that and you just go, maybe I'm just wrong. Like, what can we do? How can we sort all of this out? It's a mess. It is. At this, at this moment, it's like political juggling. A lot of things are in the air, but this is political juggling for someone who's trying to audition for Britain's Got Talent. So they're, they're, they're juggling with chainsaws, they're juggling with fire-breathing fire dragons at the same time. So they're juggling with a lot of heavy things, whereas typically you've got, you know, maybe three tennis balls in the air. But this is a lot of things, a lot of weighty things going on at the moment. There's a lot of heavy things, yeah. Let's go to the first section proper, which is where we recap the most popular post on the Instagram feed. Tatten, what was the third most popular post? Well, the third most popular post was about conversion therapy practices, which can be banned uh, in England and Wales. And um, so conversion therapy is when somebody fancies someone that they shouldn't fancy, I guess, and that someone's going to cure them of that. I mean, just there's no nice way to put it. It's evil. Right? We fall in love with who we fall in love with. Anyone who says anything else can fuck off. We don't swear on this podcast particularly, but it's just, it's just, it's, it's even wrong. And um, it's been coming for a long time. Theresa May, who was our prime minister like 15 prime ministers ago, said <laughs> that it was coming. And then all kinds of other stuff's happened with Brexit and the pandemic and all this kind of thing. And now it's going to be banned. And that's great. There's also, and again, we're going to come to this in more detail soon, but there's um, the Gender Recognition Act. The Gender Recognition Reform Act from Scotland has been blocked by the UK government, and that has all been tied up with this conversion therapy ban because a lot of people were saying you're trying to distract from what you're doing there and it's all very messy at the moment but i think that this bill about banning conversion therapy just it's just a good thing and people once they got over the fact that the same was happening to GRA, people generally agreed that this is well overdue this is this falls into my bucket of laws which is just like no brainer no brainer laws it's like yeah go ahead yeah go do it just yeah what are you waiting for? This is slam dunk. Get on with yeah. it. Um, so it's good that it's happening. Uh, it's a slight shame that it's happening so late. This, in my my kind of 
general point of view here. What's the second most popular post, Diane? Okay, this is a late entry. This is a post that was only up yesterday, in fact, last night. So it's done phenomenally well. And that's, you know, those pings. I was I was going to actually attempt to to do it, to mimic it there, but I can't do the BBC breaking news thing. I can't, I just can't. Um, but you know, when your phone goes off, it, it, it's a panic, isn't it? It's the, what what's it going to be? I generally constant, if one, you know, if one goes off, I'm, I'm you know, on, like looking straight away can't help myself you know can't you can't leave it and it's that whole anxiety till you read it and then it's like whoo Liverpool's getting Eurovision that's okay okay. (laughs) I mean but that I mean Liverpool getting Eurovision is a genuine thing like this week this week we've had Ken Bruce leaving Radio 2 as a push notification as an anxiety inducing push notification and we had Madonna's doing a new tour as an just and they do it they do it deliberately they know the anxiety causes and obviously for diane and me this like it means we have to work like if these things come in there's there's an element of right action stations but for everyone it's anxiety inducing and one of these pings could be a new covid strain variant that's going to put us all inside one of these i mean anyway you know it could be absolutely anything and you open it and it's some nonsense we had a look kobe we had a look and over the last seven days there were 122 notifications 122 between bbc news and sky news I'm just on BBC News, so I have less of the, or maybe half of the anxiety-inducing uh, pings. Underneath it, you'll be amazed how many people were, ha- have thought this, but until we posted, we're like, ah, okay, I'm going to delete the app. <laughs> you know, like most people had said, yeah, I've, I've thought that. It's not a new thing we're telling people, but they were like, okay, this is it for me. You know, seeing that number and that figure and realizing how constant it is. You know, news is immediate nowadays anyway. If you wanted to find anything out, you know, you, you get it in, you know, two swipes of your phone. Do we really need that that constant, constant, like, oh, keeping us on edge, keeping the, like, stress levels, the cortisol really high? I'm not sure we do. I find it when I go to my parents or my parents-in-law's houses and it comes to six o'clock, bang, news comes on and it's there for the hour and then it's off. And it's kind of interesting. That's, that's the window of news opportunities that they get but you know i'm on twitter i do get these push notifications not from sky simple politics instagram feed um just generally all over the internet because my i'm a digital marketer and get news from all different angles but i kind of do harken back to those kind of easy days when you had like an hour's window of the news and it would end with like a, a dog saving a, a duck in the in the local pond and that'll be but you don't get that kind of cute way to finish that do you? you just get horror you just get horror or trivial nonsense that you don't want to really care or hear about we do I, I, i'll correct yes. you there kobe <laughs> we, we do we nightly news we always end with the positive <laughs> and we do it for that reason literally we do it for that reason it's my speciality it, it, it's my favorite bit of the day yeah absolutely right i like the sign off at the end you guys is chef's kiss but these these i think the breaking news alerts came really to the fore during the pandemic where you just there was nothing but we just wanted to know what was happening left right and center as soon as it could come to us but when you get in updates about who's attending who's in the line for the for the queen's um wake and as a, as a breaking news alert you kind of think is this the best use of this medium i don't think it is you know bbc i don't think it is it was good to see David Beckham there. I'm glad he was there. It was nice. It was nice that he stood in line with people. But do we need to know as soon as someone 
Twiggy was there. I don't think we did. <laughs> so frugality, I think, pays benefits there. And, you, and you, you said, and I saw, I read a lot of the comments on this. People are just deleting the app from the phone. So that's counterintuitive. Keep it simple, stupid. The fewer, the better. And you know, try and have some kind of waiting system as to what should qualify as a breaking news alert. Anyway, that's my. So box there. Um, what's the most popular post this week? <laughs> Tatton. It's 2023. So of course, the most popular post was strikes. And this time it's teachers. Teachers are going out. Teachers who are part of National Education Union. The NASUWT last week said they weren't going to strike because even though most of the members had said they wanted to, they didn't have a high enough turnout. And uh, the Conservative Party a few years ago in the trade union act now gave minimum thresholds that you had to cross for, for, for your union to strike. So the National Education Union, which has far and away the most teachers, will be striking. They're going out in England and in Wales. Support staff in Wales will be going on strike. But in England, even though the, the most people who voted did vote for strike, like the NSUWT, they didn't have uh, enough people vote. So that so support staff in England won't be going on strike. Now, teachers are a different vibe to everyone else because nurses can strike, but nurses, a lot of nurses still go in. If you're in hospital, they'll still look after you. And most people aren't poorly enough to need a nurse. Even trains, a lot of people working from home anyway. A lot of people got themselves set up to be able to work from home before. There's buses, there's cars, there's other ways to get about. Schools closing affects many more people they will close lots and lots and lots of schools and it will impact lots and lots of people it, uh, there was a live facebook stream that both diane and i were watching when uh, when they announced that they were going to go on strike and they they said several times we don't want to strike the first strike isn't until the first of february let's make sure that let's talk come on government talk to us let's negotiate and then we won't go on strike on the first. But they've got several strikes planned. So the 1st of February is a national for England and Wales. And then they go regional for a bit. So Wales has a day and the North and Northwest has a day. And then London and the Southeast has a day. And then on the 15th of March, which is budget day, there's a whole national rally and protest outside parliament saying we need to be given more money on on this day so the so the key dates are the first which is the whole country and the 15th of march which is the whole country but like i say they don't want to strike teachers teachers want to teach it's not a relaxing carefree job that you can just do because you have long holidays it's exhausting. You do it because it matters. Like we're talking about nurses, we're talking about nurses who do it because it matters. People want to nurse, people want to teach, people want to drive their trains, people want to do all of the things. They are negotiating over pay and conditions. It looks like teachers' pay has been cut by 11% in real terms since 2010. 11%. The NEU say 23%, but I was listening to uh, the more or less radio show on Radio 4, which is highly recommended, which looks at stats and things. And they were saying that it might be more like 11 because of these various different things that the NEU has used to kind of pump that figure up to make it look higher. But their wages have been cut by 11%. They want something done about it. They're going to strike. 
I think we just have to look back to think back to the pandemic times when the kids were off school and how much of an impact that had when people were trying to work and how much the government at the time were trying to get schools back and people and kids back into schools because they realized the the effect it was having on on a, on a broader term so uh, I, I echo what you're saying here Tatton. it's it's kind of this is one where it has a bigger impact than you might initially think of when someone first mentions it I think Okay, guys, time for part two, the mailbag section. This is over to you guys, the readers and listeners. Uh, what's been asked this week of our lovely listeners and readers? Diane. So we had lots of response this week. So if you have sent us a question in, if you've DM'd us or if you've, if you've actually just written to us and we don't get to your question today, we are keeping them all. So bear with us. And what we've done is just pick a couple of the ones that were really topical for this week. The rest are all great, great questions and we will get to them. Okay, so bear with. But we're going to start off because it's been a huge story this week with a question from Callum. He asks, what are our thoughts on the UK government voting on Section 35 and its potential impact on devolution? Can you explain briefly, guys, what is Section 35? Scotland have passed a bill called the Gender Recognition Reform Act now. Well, it's, it's a bill because it hasn't become an act because they're stopping it becoming an act. So what that does is it reduces the barriers to getting a gender recognition certificate, which you need to do if you want to be legally recognised as a trans woman or a trans man. They've passed that and they passed it by a long way. And they passed it with cross-party support. Conservatives in Scotland voted for it. Greens voted for it. Labour voted for it. Some MSPs from each party voted for it. And it passed by something like 85 to 36 or something like that. Right. So heavily backed cross-party support for it. And it was one of the most consulted upon laws, their bills they've ever put out. They spent ages talking to stakeholders. They spent ages consulting on it. Having voted for it and passed it, the UK government have said, hold on a second, we have a UK-wide Equalities Act about protecting the rights of men and women, I suppose, and this doesn't fit with that. And as it's a UK-wide law, they're saying you can't have that bill because it doesn't fit within the Equalities Act. And it doesn't quite fit within the Equalities Act. That's true. There's no there's no way you can look at the situation, say the government are wrong or the government are lying or the government making it up. There are issues about how the GRR impacts on the Equalities Act. So the government have said, can't do it. Here's Section 35. And Section 35 is something that's never been used before, but it's where the UK government say, can't do it. The, the, the law you've got can't do it. We're blocking royal assent. So royal assent is the final stage when a bill's been passed by parliament or the Scottish parliament. It goes to the king and the king signs it and it's all done, right? But And that then it's when it becomes an act and it's part of the law. This time, the government said, no, you can't have it because of this, because of this issue with the Equalities Act. And it's all, I mean, it's all kicked off like you'd imagine it would do. And there was a debate, a long debate about it. They had, a, they had an hour-long statement, and then they applied for an emergency debate, which is not a two-hour debate, on the topic. And the debate was a mess because 
half the people, some of the people were debating the constitution. Some of them were saying, I mean, there's not, there was, they were talking about how Brexit's happening against Scottish people's will, uh, how the Scottish people's will's being denied here. This long list of things the UK government are doing in defiance of what the Scottish people want. But there was also lots of people arguing for and against the GRR itself. And uh, very early on, a Conservative MP stood up and said, congratulations for, ha- for being able to stand up against, stand up to this awful piece of legislation. That felt like the cat was out the bag to a certain extent. And the question is, to what extent is this a moral decision from the government that they don't want, they don't believe the GRR is the right thing to do? And to what extent is this simply a constitutional thing? Because presumably they could put it on hold while they had another look at the Equalities Act to see if the UK could change the Equalities Act to allow Scotland to do this thing. They could meet halfway, but they're not trying to do that. They're laying down Section 35. The other important thing to notice is that during all the consultation stage of this, the UK government didn't say, you can't do this, we'll stop it with Section 35. That was only spoken about post the bill being passed. I think that a question for a lot of people is if it was, you know, this legal technicality about the Equalities Act, you know, what, yeah, why wasn't it ironed out or can, can they not do anything to iron it out? And I don't know, that's frustrating. Nicola Sturgeon is saying she will definitely take this to to court. She'll take this higher. She'll, you know, she will try and um, fight this, basically. And it's likely to be a lengthy and a pretty tetchy battle now that's going to kick off, you know, with Alistair Jack, Scottish Secretary, and and Nicola Sturgeon and Rishi Sunak. But, you know, it's going to be, this isn't going to be an easy one to resolve. This is huge. And, uh, you know, her initial statement on it, Nicola Sturgeon, was, you know, are they going to do this multiple times? That's what she put up in her tweet. You know, this is the first time they've done it, fair enough. But could the UK government, now they've got a precedent, do this again on Scottish matters? And that that's the, the picture she's painting in Scotland about this. But one really just final, final thing on this, whatever, you know, the two sides are, what we've got is, you know, a, a minority who want something to happen who are being used as a political football you know and and they were in that debate you know I don't know I don't I think it's sort of muddying the whole issue really whatever you think around the gender recognition act I think no it's just it's even an extra layer of complexity isn't it because you've got these huge constitutional bits sat on top of it I don't know I don't know obviously there are there were people lots of people in the house of commons saying I cannot believe you're using such vulnerable people as a political football. But the core of what the government is saying about it not fitting within the UK-wide Equalities Act is true. That's not necessarily a political football. Yes, this this should have been spoken about years ago when they first started. It's years old, this, this, this piece of legislation in Scotland. It should have been spoken about at that point. But... I mean, Nicola Sturgeon is going to take the court. Of course she is. But she took him to court for the referendum that was dismissed out of hand, right? She, 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 she can't win this case because it does cross over 
from the devolved powers. It doesn't fit within the Equalities Act. If you want to criticise the government, then they need to be criticised on the fact that they're not trying. Yeah. <laughs> they're simply not trying to make it work. They're just saying you can't do that. And that's not brilliant. But this core fundamental point, and I mean, I saw the um, the document that they published. A lot of it was legal jargon, and I'm no lawyer. But I also read people things from lawyers. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of this, a lot of this is true. So I don't think she's going to win in court. I don't think that the Scottish government have the power to force it through. The only people who have the power to make a change is the UK government, and they are showing no desire to do so. And that could be ideological because a lot of Conservative MPs don't agree with the premise and the concept of the bill. We have another question. Diane. Yeah, from Louise on Instagram. So her question is, she's a teacher that Tatton just talked about, and, you know, teachers going on strike. And she's worried about the etiquette of striking, basically, because the teaching assistants who she works with in England didn't get the threshold, as Tatton said, to go on strike. So they're not going on strike. So her school might well stay open because with enough teaching assistants, they might be able to kind of like make do with the ratios or she's not sure what's happening. But she's worried that her absence will be ineffective. So she strikes, but teaching assistants are in and some sort of school day happens. Does that essentially negate her striking thing? And she's really keen to know our opinion on this because her dad was really key in some of the big northern strikes years ago so she gave me a bit, little bit of background as to her family that she grew up in and she really wants her decision to strike to make a difference let me jump in here because i was a teacher i've been a striking teacher in the past Louis specifically says, what's the etiquette in the 2020s i haven't been a striking teacher in the 2020s maybe things have changed but the theory is teaching assistants are not allowed to cover classes during a strike right you're not you can't that's that, that especially if they're part of a union they're not supposed to do that the other teacher in my year group voted not to strike she says but she is part of the union and if you're part of the union and the union collectively vote to strike you should be walking out that's the union rules so in theory her other teacher should be walking out her teaching assistant shouldn't be doing cover and the school, well, I mean, I don't know how many other teachers there are, but also teachers that are in NASUWT teachers, for example, shouldn't be taking double classes. You shouldn't be pouring a hundred kids into the sports hall and sticking on a Harry Potter movie, right? That's, that's, and th that's not, that's not how it works. Teachers who are part of unions and almost all teachers are part of a union or another, shouldn't be covering other people's classes. It's going to be interesting to see how it works, though, especially because I think we're waiting, aren't we, for a bit more information. I don't even know if our school's closing at the minute. You know, I think they're working through these things. But especially schools who are academies, there's some news in the week about them trying to bust different kids around different ones to, to kind of to do that, to, to literally to minimise the impact. and. So I think what what you said is 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 perfectly clear, Tatton. But I wonder whether, in practice, some schools will try to mitigate the impact. That's one of the things about academies. Academies don't have to play by the same rules 
as because they they are separate. They were developed to be separate, and now I think almost all our schools are academies. So 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 the the rules aren't there like they used to be. In my days of, of being a striking teacher, which uh, which were longer ago than I'd like to admit, the, the the rules, my understanding of those rules, doesn't count particularly necessarily. It's about what your school does. It's about what your teaching assistants say and your head teacher says. Like if your head teacher speaks to the teaching assistant and says, "Will you cover the class?" and this teaching assistant goes, "Yeah, right." It doesn't matter what the unions say. The unions can't force them out. The days of the days of standing outside a school shouting "scab, scab, scab" at teachers that walk in are long gone, and thankfully so because that bullying that no one likes that. If someone wants to cover a class, they will cover a class. If Louise's colleague who voted no on the strike doesn't want to strike, even though she's part of the the union, then she's not going to strike. Is Louise's absence on that day ineffective? No. She is standing up for something that she believes in. And anyone who does that should be commended. And it does make a difference. And and I, I, Louise, I believe in you and you do your thing. One last thing on the school strikes. Uh, we, it, 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 we haven't got it up now because they didn't send a voice note, but someone on my Instagram page asked the question, what's the difference? People are up in arms that schools will be closed on a strike day, but everyone's delighted that schools will be closed for the coronation. Surely young people are missing out on their education for that just as much as they're missing out on their education for the strike. And I think they've made their own point there. I mean, you can talk about how people aren't working that day, so it's not as disruptive. You can talk about it being, you know, a once in a lifetime thing, maybe twice in a lifetime thing. You can talk about all kinds of other things, but I thought it was an interesting point that they made anyway. Let's head over to part three, the PM watch. What has Rishi been up to? What have your PIs been telling you guys? Well, uh, Rishi Sunak is a big fan of saying how keen he is on the 2019 manifesto, on the 2019 manifesto on which Boris Johnson was given victory by millions and millions and millions of voters. He's really keen on that because if he doesn't do the 2019 thing, he's got no mandate whatsoever. He's got no mandate. No one voted for him. He didn't even get the vote because Liz Truss got the vote for the members. Like, he needs to show he is the continuity person. He is doing the things that have been promised at the general election that millions of people voted for. So part of that was loads and loads and loads of money, £2.1 billion to give to projects around the country to level up. And there's 100 projects, I think. What that gives Rishi is the opportunity to pop up in a hundred different places over the next few months and say, look at the work <laughs> I've done here. Look at this. I mean, that's once a week for two years and he'll be happy. And he's going, look at me. I've done the 2019 thing. I've given a hundred projects, loads of money. Oh yeah. Rishi Sunak. That's me. Today, um, nearly all of the papers, well, all of the papers um, have different takes and cuts on the data of who who got you know what as you might imagine so there is an interactive map and this is a government thing on gov.uk but there is an interactive map that they've put up today so you can find your nearest leveling up project you can find what nearest to you has got a part of money but the, the bidding is quite the thing you know and and like I say there's so many different cuts and 
people looking at this going because it you know it sounds like a lot of money yes it, it is but it's only 100 places in the whole of the UK, you know? It doesn't spread that far, really, when, when you look at some of this stuff. And there's some big tarns who I've seen on Twitter today from their councils who have missed out, you know, who didn't get anything. So I think Glasgow didn't really get anything. You correct me if I'm wrong, Tatton. Nottingham, I've seen as well, didn't get anything. Whitstable. Whitstable didn't get anything. I think we need to talk about the big issues. For those 100 projects, it, it's it's amazing and great, and there will be job creation from that. But it, there's lots of other very needy thing places. Leveling up isn't done. This isn't leveling up done. And even Rishi Sunak said on the press release, there'll have to be another round. So it's a very long, it's years away, this stuff. from. Um, Diane, you are being a massive negative Nancy. Diner, am I? Am I? Okay, the map's like, great. Let's have a look at this. <laughs> 2.1. Oh, the map's great. Uh, um, 2.1 billion pounds for 100 places. Yes, 100 places across the country aren't, isn't everywhere, right? No, there's nothing in Whitstable. But it's not a zero-sum game. You invest 2.1 billion pounds into the economy, creating those jobs, you put however much money they're putting into Canterbury and then people from Whitstable go and work there and then people from there spend their money in our shops and the money that the government are putting in, it's called the multiplier effect. It's an economic term. The money that gets put in is multiplied when people spend it. And maybe there's none in Glasgow and I'm sure that like crumbs, Glasgow's got some tricky bits to it. But Rishi Sunak says this isn't the end. This is the start. There are more to come. Money invested in decent projects to help decent people giving decent jobs. It's not the be all and end all. It's not going to solve all of our problems, but it's a start. And I don't think we can have a go at a government who are trying to help people have a better better have better opportunities i suppose this this to me is one of the most interesting deliverables from the conservative government it looks like the jobs that will be created have some kind of meaning to them I, I'm, I'm very much against the kind of empty jobs that are created for job's sake but this sounds like there could be something beneficial from it but on the other hand i'm like kids need toothbrushes as we found out last week kids need toothpaste is there is anywhere we can make sure everyone's got toothpaste before then making another reading project in Morecambe. You know what I mean? That's that's where my kind of head's at. I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in two sides of this. The way to give kids toothbrushes is to have prosperity in their area, right? You can set up toothbrush banks and pay loads of money to do that, but then you're putting a sticking plaster over the problem. We can invest in food banks if we want to, and people need food banks. You know, I give money to food banks, but you've got to look at what the solution to that problem is. And that is a lack of opportunities. We need to support people. We need to support, but we need to give people the opportunities they can have to achieve their best potential. After we're recording this, I'm talking to a sixth form college in Portsmouth on their Aspire program because it's about doing giving people aspiration and fulfilling their potential. I mean, this is all, this is all pure conservative stuff. And I, and, and I don't want to, you know, sound like a member of Rishi Sunak's cabinet here, but opportunity and prosperity lead to more opportunity and prosperity as that money goes around. This isn't trickle-down economics. This isn't money going to rich bankers who will then invest it rather than spend it. 
This is money going. An Eden project in Morecambe isn't just going to create a really cool the Eden project. Amazing, like something really cool to go to that will continue to drive revenue once it's open. Will continue to bring tourists into a not amazingly prosperous town, but it will have good jobs in creating it. And Morecambe, I, I mean, I, I don't know that much about the Morecambe economy, but maybe they don't have as many good jobs as they do now. It's good spent money to spend now. It's going to create more money later. There are the money is not spread equally. It's really hard to spread it equally, but it's a start. Dan, what, what did your PI find out about Richie Sunak? Oh, no, I'm just being really frivolous. No, I, no I, I'm all about interactive maps and cake, and that's <laughs> it. So, um, but it just for two seconds to to give a bit bit of an an up at the end of the leveling up. We posted about cake this week <laughs> about cake in offices, which was a story during the rounds, and true to form, SPOs, thousands of people commented on it. Thousands. You know, we can put something up about, I don't know, really important issue in Parliament, but everybody comments. Including TV's Nick Frost. Woo! Yeah. (laughs) And this story got so much traction this week that Downing Street had to comment in their press daily press briefing about what Richie Sunak thought about (laughs) cake in offices. They literally had to respond to it, which is amazing. I think it was a question from the Mirror. He said that he is all for cake in offices. And they even did a pun. They did a something like, you know, we make sure that it's it's baked into our approach <laughs> at Darning Street. Something like that. It was great. So there you go. Let's look ahead to the crystal ball and see if there's going to be any more substantial puns coming in (laughs) if we can anticipate any more puns for next week okay we talked about the leveling up money and that being a perfect springboard for Richie Sunak to go out and about around the country apparently that is is starting imminently and he is calling it PM Connect that's the branding he's going with so he's going to be going around the country PM Connect PM Connect he's going to be getting face to face with people yeah answering questions getting up close and personal and you know people will be watching this because people will be looking for you know those those headlines those quotes those sound bites the how the public what they're asking him so i think expect quite a lot of that definitely in the tabloids next week tatum where have you got well the victoria sponge of uh next week will be the strikes Okay, we've got like, more strikes being added all the time. But we're going to have a frosting of the GRR carrying on, of, uh, of more of this uh, Scotland constitutional uh, stuff. And we're going to have some sprinkling of negotiations with unions and Brexit stuff continuing. What about the online harms bill? Is that not still orbiting? Is that going to be the tea that accompanies the cake that you're, that you're baking? With your analogy, no, that, that, that that's uh, done. That's done in the Commons okay. now, okay. But that's being popped back into the oven to rise a bit more <laughs> before it goes to the Lords. <laughs> the Lords are waiting on some meaty bills at the moment because um, the Brexit bill donor, <laughs> the Brexit bill donor is going to go into the Lords, and it's going to get a hole put through it. It's going to be destroyed. It's going to be absolutely destroyed by the House of Lords. And it'll go back to the Commons and they'll have to reassemble it from the crumbs that are left 
So the House of Lords, uh, over the next couple of weeks, so this isn't crystal ball for next week, but over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk a lot about, uh, about the House of Lords and the impact they're going to have on this Black Forest ghetto. Guys, it's been amazing to talk about cake with you. Uh, thank you very much for listening. This has been the Simple Politics Podcast. We shall see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.